Now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly. I love it at night. On King of OX. Perhaps one of St. Louis's most recognizable voices. She's the leader of the Knights of Swing, a 16-piece orchestra playing big band favorites from the 1930s and 40s. She's also our newswoman here at The Voice of St. Louis on Monday nights, and she's kind enough to spend a few minutes with us now. Maria Kina, how are you, kid? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing well. So you're a vocalist. You sing. You're the lead singer of your Knights of Swing band, 16-piece orchestra, lots of instrumentation going on. Do you have perfect pitch? I don't think so, but mm. I've heard that if you do have perfect pitch, sometimes you will see colors yeah. when you close your eyes, yeah. and sometimes I do see colors. You do? D- depending on the notes, but I don't think I have perfect oh. pitch. Uh, Michael, uh, no. Michael Kelly's in uh, <laughs> Michael Kelly's in Florida. He sees colors all the time. Uh, how's, it, how's it going out there, big boy? <laughs> perfect pitch. I mean, I, I would think that uh, Maria Kina's voice alone is... Uh, it's perfect pitch. Well, she's got a very distinctive voice. There's no question about it. It's, uh, it's a sexy voice. Well, one could say that, Michael. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was curious, though, Maria, because I've, I've heard you perform a couple of times now. Yeah. And have you modeled your vocal style on any particular performer? Mm, well, I've listened a lot to Frank Sinatra. Yeah. To hear the phrasing that he does. If yeah. you notice, you never hear Sinatra ever take a breath in a song. Is that right? Never. Listen to it sometime. There's no breath. He doesn't breathe. And guy. that's because he learned, bless you, man. That's because he learned from Tommy Dorsey with the trombone and circular breathing. Yeah. So he learned very early on how to do his phrasing and not to do any, any you know. Huh. What is, what is circular breathing? Well, circular breathing is really, it's really something brass players, trombone players do it a lot. Um, it's where you're breathing in through your nose yeah. while you're playing. It's very difficult. Huh. Really, really difficult, and you can play for a really long period of time because you have more air that way. Yeah, you know, I wow. that kind of reminds me of my CPAP, uh, <laughs> circular CPAP. Yeah, I got the you can breathe in through the nose, and uh, there you breathing all night long, and you sleep like a baby. It's uh, well, that's interesting. So that's uh, but the, but other than Sinatra, there's not there's not a female vocalist that uh, you look to as an inspiration. Yeah, Billie Holiday probably. Oh, Billie Holiday. Yeah. Oh, we can pull some of that up, PJ, for later in the uh, segment here. <laughs> uh, and the other thing, because I, I perform some myself, uh, I always thought Billie Holiday was a dude. Did you really? Yeah, shortstop I mean, for the Rangers back in the 1970s. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have had much exposure to the... I mean, I know the name Billie Holiday, but I had no idea that it was the lady. Tremendous blues singer. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Billie Holiday. I mean, thank you. Thank you for that contribution here, uh, Michael, to this musical segment. <laughs> Whatever I can provide. Yeah, buddy, I, uh, you're doing I, you're doing all you can, and I appreciate it uh, very, very much. Uh, so I was going to ask you, though, because you perform a lot, mm-hmm. and, and you've been performing for a long time. Do you ever experience stage fright? Every time I go out there. Is that right? Every time. And what is it? What what what's sensations are going on when you're <sighs> getting on the stage, you're getting ready to sing, the band starts playing the tune, you're approaching the microphone. What are the feelings, sensations that you're dealing with? Well, A, that I don't forget the lyrics. Yeah. And that has happened no matter how many times you sing a song, you'll yeah. forget the lyrics. 
Um, just the fact that it goes really well and that everybody's happy with it. I don't like to look at people's faces when I sing because it really oh. makes me nervous. So I look at the top of their heads. Oh. Um, I'm actually pretty bashful in that department. Yeah. Like, I don't like to hear myself on the air either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I try not to, well, you have to listen to yourself when you sing. Well, but. I'll tell you, if you look at the top of my head, you're going to see some bright lights. <laughs> uh, I was just going to ask if she has the same nerves when she's on the voice of St. Louis, because if you're looking at John right now, you're probably just seeing the sky, <laughs> bright light. It's like a halo, Michael. It uh, is. It's like a little angel halo. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> angel. So you've got, angel. These, you've got these 15 other musicians with you on stage. Yes. Uh, I would assume that none of them do music full-time, or is that a wrong assumption? Well, a lot of them are musical teachers. Oh, okay. Uh, music teachers. Yep, yep. Um, and so yes, in, in schools, grade schools, right. high schools. Band directors uh-huh. uh, for many years. Because yeah. we've got a, you saw the diversity of the band as oh, far yeah. as age. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a real span. You've yeah. got like 19-year-olds and yeah. 60-something-year-olds. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of, uh, which is great to have that experience there from the the older band members, yeah, because they could teach so much, you know, that we never even think about. As far as, um, and I've had guys play with us and gals who do this professionally. I mean, Carol Beth True is a really fine pianist here in yeah. St. Louis, uh-huh. and she has played with us, and that's her full time gig. She has made a living at it. Wow! So we do have those kind of musicians in St. Louis. Yeah, it's it's not common, and it, I think it's less common perhaps today than it used to be. I think. There oh were, yeah. You know, you go back to the 60s, you go back to Gaslight Square. Yes. I mean, you know, a lot of people supported families mm-hmm. playing music. And uh, I think you see that less so today, but I'm glad some people are still doing it. Yeah. Uh, because that's that's really important to be able to, you know, express yourself and have that, have that outlet. Uh, where do you go to hear live music in town? Is there any place, uh, any kind of music that you seek out? Uh, uh- Jazz at the Bistro, I'll go yeah. there, you know, depending on who's there. Yeah. Um, as far as... Um, That's a great venue, by the way. Oh, my, it's a great, fabulous uh, venue to so see. So I don't know when the last time you were... I was there a year ago, and they've got... So you they got the floor seating, mm-hmm. uh, the little round tables, the stage is right there. And then they've got this... I guess it's a bar that goes across the second level. And you just sit at a spot behind the bar, and they bring you food, and they bring you drinks, and, and you're looking down on the stage. It is a marvelous venue. It is, and you know what's really cool about it? People that go in there know that it's a listening room. The yeah. lady who founded uh, Jazz at the Bistro, which when it was called Just Jazz, Barbara Rose, was very adamant about that. This You don't come in here to like, yeah, and yuck right, it up. Right. Right? It's yeah. a listening room. Yeah. And that's what you're there to do because it's disruptive to have You know, that, that. that's an... That's a really interesting thing. So I've got a lot of friends that play music, you know, for a living. And one of their pet peeves is to go and start playing music and the audience is all out there talking amongst themselves. Yeah. Uh, is that something that bothers you as well as a performer? The one thing I could say is since there's so many of us, you know, since we've got that big of a band and yeah. you have all the brass instruments, we don't necessarily hear it up on the stage as you would if you're up there with a three-piece band or like a little trio absolutely yeah um so that's real and depending on your venue too what kind of you know room is and how the sound is working like if you go into the sheldon you actually don't even need a microphone no to sing in the sheldon that place that venue is incredible acoustics are incredible yeah and you've sung there i have yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. it it really is a, a phenomenal 
venue. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the emotions that music brings. Mm-hmm. Um, are there certain songs that take you back to a certain time, a certain place, and what are they? Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I think we've talked about this before. I used to have my mom's Victoria and play all of her songs. Yeah. So um, one in particular is uh, Blue Gardenia by Dinah Washington. Yeah. And uh, one of our band members, Terry Van, trombone player, um, just did an arrangement for me. So we're just starting to play that. Nice. And anytime I hear that song, I immediately think of my mom and what her face looked like when, when she would hear that come on and how she taught me the song. Yeah. You know, she said, you got to listen to this song. It's Blue Gardenia. And actually, Nat King Cole did it first in a movie. It was a noir movie called Blue Gardenia. And then Dinah came along and recorded it a few years later. So, yes, absolutely. It, it does. It Music transports you um, almost like nothing else in, That's in true. life does. It's really, and there's a magic there um, that is just so special. And when you're making music, and I know some of our listeners out there are musicians mm-hmm. as well. Uh, there's just, I don't know, it's hard to describe it when you're making music there's a, a feeling that you get that's unlike anything else. Anything else. You could be exhausted. I could be in a really bad mood. And if I get up on that stage, it completely leaves immediately. Mm. Immediately because you look at people, they're having a good time, they're enjoying the music, and you think, look, look what we're doing. This is making them happy. And I'll tell you who's doing it. It's the Knights of Swing here in St. Louis. You can find them on Facebook. Maria Kina is their band leader. Thank you so much for this wonderful visit that we have every Monday. Michael Kelly and John Hancock alongside is a little Billie Holiday coming up for Michael Kelly's benefit. Uh, let's listen to Billie Holiday sing the blues. In my Buddy, that's Billie Holiday. And as we shift gears on the old automatic transmission, manual transmission, (laughs) we're going to come back and deal with our NFL insider after this on KMOX. Take it out, Billy. In my solitude. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly. Sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Each week in the National Football League, we witness. A cascade of bone-crushing hits, breathtaking runs, and ballet-style tiptoes down the sideline. The drama, the deliberation, the dedication of 22 highly-honed athletes competing on a gridiron of guts, glory, and game-day perfection. Great teams are constructed in the off-season of the National Football League. And joining us is our NFL insider, as he does every Monday night, John Hancock. How are you, big boy? Hey, now, doing well, doing well. How's it going, gentlemen? It's great, man. The intros to uh, your segment get better and better every week, John. They do, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of the mix-up. Hey, brother, uh, uh, Chicago, how's the weather up there? Uh, We had record uh, weather in St. Louis today. What was it like up in Chicago? 
Yeah, we were in the 60s today. It's been a very mild winter. And, uh, you know, St. Louis may be up there as well. But, you know, as the temperature starts getting hotter and hotter everywhere, Chicago is going to probably end up being a great place to be. Well, and no doubt about it, as we start to look at the draft, Chicago is going to be the center of attention. And I wanted to ask you, uh, we've now learned that Justin Fields has cleared his social media. That's what the kids do, John, uh, to send an indication to folks that uh, he's no longer going to stick with the Bears. The Bears are indicating uh, that they are going to execute their first uh, pick and they're going to go and uh, take the young man from USC, Caleb Williams. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, so this is a situation that's in flux. Um, I think most people are expecting them to take Caleb Williams with the number one pick, but there were some reports coming today that they may be looking to actually trade that number one pick, hang on to fields, and get some increased draft capital. Obviously, they have this number one pick because they traded last year's number one pick to the Carolina Panthers, who drafted Bryce Young and ended up having the worst record in the league. So you can make the argument that you run it back with Justin Fields. You trade this number one pick. If there's any doubt in your mind, if you're Ryan Poles, the GM, that Caleb Williams is not the guy. Well, it's been a quarter of a century. Um, in fact, I think you were barely out of diapers when last we had an NFL season without Bill Belichick pacing a sideline for a National Football League team. Uh, doesn't look like he's going anywhere this year. Is Bill Belichick done? Yeah, it's kind of a shocking, shocking turn of events. The fact that he interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job and didn't get it. Uh, and he's, you know, likely to be sitting on the sidelines here. I can't imagine he goes to TV and I don't know if his ego is going to let him, you know, take an associate head coach, defensive coordinator role somewhere. He, I think his best bet, because he wants to beat Shula's record for the most wins of all time, is to take a year off and hope an opening comes up with the Cowboys or the Eagles or a team with a solid roster in place. And they want to, you know, take the roster that's ready to win a Super Bowl and hire Bill Belichick. But I don't think it makes sense for a lot of these teams that are rebuilding or really trying to build something for the future to put him in. Um, without Tom Brady, has not been too successful. But it is shocking to see who you know many consider to be the greatest coach of all time. Certainly the best, if not or one of the best, if not the best of the 21st century. Just no one's willing to pick up the phone. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, I've been watching this documentary on Bill Belichick or uh, on the Patriots dynasty. It just seems to me like the more that Bill Belichick has won, the less likable and less personality he's had, that's unfortunate because uh, he arguably is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And one of the ways, reasons he's the greatest coach of all time is he drafted well. And that whole process gets started here soon uh, because the NFL Combine has started. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. Uh, should, be, should be a fun one. Always good to see who rises. There's usually a quarterback or two who shoot up the ranks. Um, you know, Will Levis last year had a great showing in the combine. The Kentucky quarterback ended up going to the Tennessee Titans and it looks like he may be the quarterback next year, but it'll be fun to see, um, see what happens. Yeah. And that's uh football. We're going to see that draft in April. We're going to keep an eye on that and see what develops. Uh, we've got the Kansas city chiefs who may be the next dynasty in the NFL, but our attention here in the city of St. Louis has shifted the Cardinal baseball, and the Cardinals have broken spring training. They played four games so far. Uh, the pitching's looked 
I think you could make a case. The pitchings look quite good. Uh, any observations about the early camp here for our Redbirds, John? Yeah, so the pitching has looked sharp uh, for the most part. Um, you know, a few hiccups here and there, but the past couple of games, they've been pitching well, and that's really what's going to decide this season uh, for the Cardinals. It's not going to be the offense, which we needed to pick up, but it, we're going to need the pitching to you know step up significantly this year if we're going to have any chance. I think the roster as it is, has a good chance of winning the central. The Cubs haven't done all that much. Um, obviously they did just bring back Cody Bellinger, but again, he was there last year. And if you look at Cody Bellinger's advanced stats, I'm talking his, you know, uh, launch angle and barrel percentage. A lot of people are saying, and again, I don't dig into these numbers. I just listen to what the experts say on this. And they say a lot of it may have been luck last year. So I expect Cody Bellinger to regress and I think the Central is going to be wide open. The Brewers have taken, you know, some significant steps back, losing two of their three aces they've had the past few years. And the Reds are just too young to really know better. So I think we can win this division. The pitching is where we're going to need to improve. In the playoffs, and maybe one of these young guys, Gordon Graceffo, Tink Hentz, Someone that we don't see coming is going to step up and really bolster the top end of that rotation because we need it. Yeah, those two guys have been impressive in their first appearances so far this spring. And, you know, I do uh, have concerns about the Reds because I think there's a lot of talent on that team. And some of the young arms, thinking about Hunter Green uh, over there, are, are pretty good. One of the things about the Cardinals going into this year is they've added three new arms to the starting rotation, which is fairly unusual uh, in Major League Baseball to, to turn over a, a rotation that dramatically in an offseason. It's also the second year of Cardinal catcher Wilson Contreras. A lot of controversy last year about Contreras' catching ability. Have you seen anything in the review of the of the early spring training and the preparation coming in uh, that give us any indication about what's going on with Contreras? Yeah, so there was some reporting that just came out that Contreras has been working on catching on one knee, which should let him have better command of the lower half of the plate. Um, and last year he struggled with framing low pitches. Uh, so we'll see if he can bring that defensive effort up this year. That's going to be a key point of our success. If, you know, Obviously he was benched last year because the Cardinals weren't thrilled with how things were going. He's a bat-first catcher, no doubt about it. But if he can bring that defense up, I think that's going to be a big part of this. He's one of a number of guys who have to have bounce-back years for us this year. Yeah, I mean, his offensive production in the second half was phenomenal. Uh, but the catching ability and, of course, living through, you know, 15 years of Yadier Molina behind the plate, is um, those are big shoes to fill. Curious to get your thoughts. The Cardinals today made, a, to me at least, a surprise announcement. They've signed the veteran shortstop Brandon Crawford, a lifetime San Francisco Giant and several-time All-Star, three-time World Series winner, good fielder, and a, a pretty darn good hitter. I was surprised to see that acquisition. How do you see that fitting into the makeup of this club? Yeah, so I think it was a good acquisition. Um, you know, obviously things have gone askew if he ends up getting, you know, regular starting appearances. But I like this as a depth piece a lot. Mason, when it's short, is going to be, you know, he's young, he's young, and it's nice to have a veteran option you can pivot to if he he's slow to start, uh, especially with Tommy Edmond. I believe it's a wrist injury that he's dealing with. If he's not ready to go, uh, you lose another key piece you can plug in the shortstop. I think it's a great depth move. Uh, he's a proven winner, and I think a good clubhouse guy. Uh, the Giants kind of known for their camaraderie over the past, you know, 10-plus years. I, I think it's a good signing and adds depth to the middle of the infield.
Well, it certainly adds a veteran shortstop who's been there and done that. And, you know, Mason Wynn, what is he, 22 years old, something like that. I, I think it's – I was surprised at the at the move, but I really kind of like the move. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Well, John Hancock, you're in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, we will join you next week as we do every Monday here on the Hancock and Kelly Late Night Show. Thanks so much for your time this time. Until next time, we'll talk to you. All right. Take care. When we come back – There's an infestation coming. It's going to be big. It's going to be historic. Biblical. Biblical, one might say. Yes, Michael. And we're going to talk about it after this on KMOX. About to be a great night. Really good tonight. Yeah. This is one hell of a night. Now, back to Late Night with Hancock and Kelly on KMOX. Yeah, you better get used to that, and even louder than that. Uh, Have you heard about this, John? So the University of Missouri has put out a notice that uh, there will be a cicada emergence in 2024 this summer. Now, you got to love these academic types, right? This MU Extensional Horticulturist, Tamara Rial, encouragements as Missourians to get out and enjoy the noisy, musical emergence that won't happen again for many years. And, many years. Uh, this, is re- this is related to uh, the emergence of two factions of cicadas, That uh, one that's on a 13-year cycle and one that's on a 17-year cycle that are all going to come out at once and make a ton of noise and then you know shed their skins and die. Make a ton of noise. Let me tell you what's going to happen. This is going to be hell. Uh, you got you got two broods. They haven't been. We haven't seen this formation of cicadas since yeah. 1803, Michael. That's yeah. a, that's a year of the Louisiana Purchase. Yeah. We've not had this many. That we are going to have in St. Louis, in Missouri, in the Midwest, one and a half million cicadas per acre of land. Oh my God! These things are going to be. Really? Yes, they're going to be, if you're sitting outside drinking a cup of coffee, forget about it. The cicadas are going to be in there. If you're, if oh, you're, so you mean to tell me that if you lived in, I don't know, like the Central West End, yeah. where there's less trees and dirt, that the sound's not going to be as loud. But if you go I'm not west worried about to, the sound. I don't know, like I'm worried about these God's country. slimy bugs descending upon my, you know, my backyard. Dessert. Don't you think Gus will be eating them? Oh, I hope so. Uh, you know, and uh, how many zappers can you buy? Remember the old zappers in the backyard? The purple zapper. Oh, I'm sure that they've been banned. The, I'm sure that's like the bug zappers. You know, you're killing. You can animals. still buy a bug zapper, can't you? Still buy? I'm buying. I'm going to have my whole backyard full of these. These things are going to be everywhere. They're going to be coming in the garage. They're going to be coming in the door when you're walking in. Ugh, the cicadas they're and they're big. They're, these aren't. We're not talking they look like little, dragonflies. They're miserable. They're awful. They're slimy and they're heavy, and they're going to land on your head when you get out of the car. They're going to. Imagine, Michael, imagine you've gone out there and you've fallen in love and you've had this magical courtship and it's a love you thought you'd never find, but you found it. Right. And mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And the, right. and the young couple or middle-aged couple, as it were, uh, go out and they, they pick out a wedding ring. 
And he places mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. ring upon her finger. And they say, I love you. I'm, let's get married. Let's spend the rest of our lives together. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. they say. Mm-hmm. And then they sit down and they begin to plan. What would a magical union like this look like? Well, it would look like a, a wedding in mom and dad's backyard. They've got this beautiful oh. expanse out there. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. and we're going to have all of our friends sitting in these uh-huh, little uh-huh. white cloth covered chairs Jeez. and a little red, a little red aisle down the middle. And the, here come the bridesmaids and they're uh-huh. dressed in their little slightly uh, bluish kind of almost teal uh, bridesmaid dresses. And they're the groomsmen in their black tuxedos yeah. standing there. And at the, I think we get the point. Say the third week of June, for example. And uh-huh. then... The string quartet Oof. sitting over there with the two violins, a viola, and a cello. Yeah. And they're playing. You, dun, yeah, you're talking dun, about a significant dun, investment dun, of. Dun, dun, dun. Perhaps the greatest day of your life, the energy. moment you've been waiting for for maybe 40 years, Michael. And right. here in the midst of all of this grandeur and loveliness and beauty and love and commitment, are a million and a half of these miserable cicadas <laughs> descending upon this, the dude. crowd. Oh, Here, yes. I'm going to educate you about exactly what this is. Well, so think about being at this wedding. Yeah. The loud sound you're going to hear is yeah. from the male cicadas, and that's them sending out their mating call. Well, everybody's Each cicada, listen to this. Yes. Each cicada can make a sound as loud as a lawnmower and is unique to its species that when they synchronize yeah, the yeah, men, yeah. it can be as loud as a jet engine. Turn that up, PJ. So now listen to this. With so, five eyes each, each of these cicadas has five, five eyes. eyes. It's like the they book of Revelation. They are truly on the lookout for a mate. And so what will happen is well, they'll have only four to six weeks to go out there and squawk this noise. Yeah, yeah. And then the women will get attracted to the loud noise. <laughs> Help me out with that one. There's a million um, and a half of these things per acre. They're not going to have any trouble finding a mate. So then after the female lays her eggs in the tree branches, yes. her work is done. And huh. his work is done. Everything's so done. the nymphs, that's what they call the kids, <laughs> hence there's a million and a half of them. What do we got here? The nymphs fall into the ground and burrow into the surface soil. And they start this 13 to 17 year process. Yes. Except that this year we're gonna have two broods of these things. We got we got the we got the cicada, you know, X model and the cicada A model, and they're both coming together all at once. Hasn't happened since 1803. It won't happen again for 221 years, likely after most of us have passed away. And well, it's this is a this is a biblical historic thing that we're going to be dealing with, folks. And I just what, want to. Prepare. So, what are you more excited for? Are you more excited for the fact that uh, we're going to have this special cicada celebration, or like we're going it. to get another full eclipse? Uh, well, I, the eclipses comes along all the time. Uh, this this thing here, this this bug mm. infestation. I mean, these are bugs, Michael. It's not, they're not even like you know they're bugs. I don't like bugs. I don't like, I don't like I crunchy don't like bugs. Them. Crunchy bugs are my. I, I don't mind spiders. 
I really don't. A lot of people have an aversion really? to spiders. No, no. Uh, I can I can take the spider. Crunchy bugs? So Crunchy like bugs. A, like a cockroach, a, a cockroach or a... Or, yes, a water bug in the, back in the yeah, day. Yeah, grasshoppers. Oh, grasshoppers are yeah, no, no, no. The, 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 ladybugs? The, 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 no, I don't mind ladybugs. The June bugs. I mean, this is going to be... You're going to have folks. Ooh, the June bug. That's million, the one that flies into your windshield. Yes. Like a rocket. Yes. Oh, yeah. You're going to have a million of these things in your backyard if you live on yeah. an anchor. And uh, and if you're having a wedding, can you even imagine? It's going to have. It's going to be like having a jet engine going off at the wedding when you're trying to have <laughs> messages of hope and and love well, being delivered there by the pastor as he's. Trying to unite this couple in holy matrimony uh, for what we hope is going to be a lifetime, and uh, and yet there they are, these damn bugs. They're everywhere. You know, a good pastor, yeah, would find a way to work the message of uh, of the relationship and weave it into the cicadas story. Well, I, you, you know, know what I'm saying, yeah, and, and so I I think the perfect picture here is that of the fly swatter. So. <laughs> We're going to give everybody, everybody in the audience, a fly swatter, their very own, and they're going to be thwacking these things throughout the wedding. And this is what you do with conflict in a marriage. It comes up. Yeah. You're going to be a disagreement about something, and you just swack it away because it's coming into your space. You don't need this ugly bug in your space. No, no, you swack it away, Michael. And this is what. I think a skilled interpreter of uh, the marital ceremony would be able to convey to the many is, listeners out there. Is there a time of the day that it will be better to have an outdoor event than than others? Like, There's a million of them. They're everywhere. They're, you know, some of them, I'm sure they're on different sleep schedules. I mean, you know, cicadas. <laughs> you know, some of them are going to get drunk and they're going to, you know, sleep until noon or whatever. And the other ones are going to be up at nighttime. And it, yeah, it's a, they, you, if there's a million and a half cicadas for every acre, there's a good likelihood so, that six, seven hundred thousand of them are going to be talking and, at the same and, time. And what are the other unintended consequences of that? Like, will it cause all the animals that eat these bugs to multiply even more because it's gonna be awful. there's going to be a larger food supply? It's going to be awful. I mean, it, it, it's just they're going to be on the ground. They're going to be dropping like cicadas. It's uh, I can't begin. And I just wanted as a public service to our few and proud listeners out there to know that this is coming. It's not going to be it's not something we can Biblical. avoid. It's not something we can plan our way out of. No, no. This is going to beset all of us in a massive, massive way. It's like love. It's just going to flush over us. In the air, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> like love are in the air. <laughs> we got to step aside, brother. <laughs> we do when we come back. I have some assignments from my buddy while he's down there in Jupiter, Florida. We'll cover that and close this wonderful program out after this on Camboy now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. I'm coming to you live from Jupiter, Florida. John Hancock's in studio in St. Louis. And, brother, uh, I'm standing here on my patio. You know, I am just steps away from Roger Dean Stadium down here yeah. uh, in Jupiter. Thanks and tomorrow I get man. to go to my first game. Oh, jeez. 
Uh, so what are you? Uh, what are the sights that you have there on the veranda? Well, you... I'm looking down at one of your favorite restaurants, the Hibachi uh, restaurant. That's the one and, we got kicked uh, out of, isn't it? We did get kicked out of there, and uh, I think we went down to Jumby Bay to play pool, which uh, I think we got kicked out of. No, we've never gotten um, kicked out of Jumby Bay. We did get no, kicked no. out of the Hibachi place, though. That's a, that's a true fact. Well, I don't know that we were kicked out. I just think they told us, hey, you guys are done you know, eating or, or we're done serving you. And so you need to move on. Yeah. That's uh, AKA getting kicked out. So, <laughs> yeah, well, so you're down so I'm there looking out at the ballpark, but let me, let me tell you this. Yeah. John, I, I, I need to understand what the heck is going on because yeah. I found out we had another signing today at the same time. I saw them pulling the benches out of the dugout and putting rocking chairs from cracker barrel <laughs> in there. <laughs> hey, now you laughed. It was funny. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little older roster this year in a lot of respects, the starting rotation and so forth. I'm telling you, though, buddy, this is going to be a good team. Now, so you're down there, shall we say, on assignment. Yes. Okay. Definitely. So, definitely. And assignments have tasks to fulfill. And okay. so you and I, you're going to be down there on Friday morning when we're back here on the air at KMOX from uh, 830 to 11. I'm going to broadcast from the same place that, like, Matt Paul yeah, and, yeah. and Tom Ackerman broadcast. Exactly, from. exactly. And you are assigned to get us some guests, okay? You can't just go down there and, you know, kick your feet up, sit out on the veranda and look out over the hibachi place. No, no, you've got to go out and do some work, Michael, for the people. All right, so here's my question. All right, here's the question. Yep. So. You're wanting these guests to be on with me live on Friday. You can record them. You're, I'm. You oh, know what? I'm not picky. Okay. Yeah, you re- you All take right. care of it. You record them. So uh, you want me to like tackle Ozzy Smith and when I see him tomorrow? What nope. Should I don't want Ozzy. No? Don't want Ozzy. Okay. Here, here's what we got to have. Mm-hmm. All right. First and foremost, you got to get Katie Wu from the Athletic. That's I, I saw easy. her this morning. I, of course, I saw her this she's morning. everywhere, and that will be easy. If you fail in that task, I'm going to be very, very disappointed. No, right. I, I will not fail. I literally saw her walking across the street this morning. All right, all right. So you're gonna you're on that. Then Michael, they're gonna get a little tougher as time goes on. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm. I want an interview with Michael Kelly and John Mozalak. That's uh, not happening. Yeah, it is. You just you no. say, "Hey, Mo, it's Michael Kelly from KMOX," and he'll say, "All right, yeah." So yeah, you uh, you get him and, and talk about all right. you know whatever. So. so all right, I will. Mo actually has seats, I think, around me, or at least I've seen him sit yeah, yeah, seats yeah. right around me. Should be a piece of cake. I will try to walk up to him, and just so I, I gather just, what you think he's going to say when I say to him, hey, Mo, it's Michael Kelly. What do you think he'll say to me? How you doing? Hmm. Okay, well, you're more optimistic They're than I They're looking pretty good. Because I think he'll be like, uh, uh, who's that? Yeah, no. Like, okay. Oh, I'm with so, your flagship station. Yeah, of course. He's going to need to do that interview. So that that's the second one you got to okay. do. The third one, I'm going to give you an option here. All right? Okay. Uh, so it's either got to be, and he's pitching tomorrow, so I'm going to kind of take it easy. But you got until Friday. Okay. Sonny Gray, the Cardinal no. Ace. Need to uh-huh. get him. Need to talk about his approach. You need to ask him about the sweeper, how he throws okay. his sweeper, Michael, and have him okay. describe and break down the sweeper for the people of St. Louis. All right. Okay. Either that. Right. Either that. Okay. I or like Mike Claiborne. Or <laughs> the newest Cardinal, Brandon Crawford, three-time world I even champion. Know who that is. 
Well, he's 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 cool looking. He's got long hair. He's got a beard. He's cool looking. Kind of looks well, a little like Jesus. When I walk like to him, I say, "Hey, Brandon, it's Michael Kelly." What is he going to say? He's going to look at me and be like, "Yeah." So, like so every this other guy, this guy's here. never been here before, Michael. So you come uh-huh. up and you say. Hey Brandon. Hey Brandon, it's it's Ricky Horton from KMOX, and uh, I do the games. And uh, can I just have a couple minutes with you to welcome you to St. Louis? Okay. And yeah, that's what yeah. you do there. All, All right. right, that's it. That, so by the way, that strategy may work. Yeah, yeah. So we got Katie Wu, for sure. Okay. John Mozalak, which John, I'll Johnny be Mo. I'll be impressed if you get that done, but you could get it done. And then either Sonny Gray. Or Brandon Crawford. So that's that's well, your assignment, Mr. I, Phelps. I don't know you... what either of those two guys look like, and well, I have a feeling a lot of people are wanting to talk to them. So, so there's this thing. There's this thing, Michael, called Google. Google. <laughs> yeah. And you can actually pull up. It's it's amazing. You can pull up a picture of Brandon Crawford and Sonny Gray, and exactly, and see what they now. You won't be able to see Brandon Crawford with a Cardinal hat on, uh, in the Google, but. Uh, although you know, back in the day when I collected baseball cards, they used to when the player got traded in the off season, they would they would well, do a superimposed hat on their head and change John, the logo. Yeah, I'm not I'm not aware if you're familiar with this, but there's something called AI. I think they they probably got Brandon Crawford with a you know a Springfield Cardinal hat on if you wanted. Well, yeah. So uh, so those are your assignments, and I'm looking forward to you completing them successfully by oh, Friday man. morning. Uh, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, if I'll be, I'll be very disappointed if none of that. Or well, thanks most for holding of that. down the fort while I'm out of town, man. Yeah, so, so sure, and I look forward to talking to you on Friday. Yeah, I got to leave the parking garage all by myself. That's always scary. Uh, it's going to be the best of Glover next, and then we got old uh, what's his name? Lee Habib. Lee Habib, and the news is next on Cable X.